Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? Not bad. Uh, a little bit of some chillier weather we went in earlier this week, but now we have a nice warm-up as we head toward the weekend. But of course, we'll have chances for rain. Yeah, not bad though. I, we, our podcast this week kind of had uh, me thinking about how you and I have children, but they are not mm-hmm. school-aged. So what's going on with this pandemic is a little bit different uh, for us. I mean, we had to think of childcare and that kind of thing, but we did not have to think of remote learning or how that would impact our family. So we figured it would be great actually to have a teacher, not just any teacher, a science teacher, not just any science teacher, but one that I know personally. (laughs) So you you can already see her on our screen here. This is Dr. O'Malley. She is uh, an AP biology teacher as well as chemistry. And I think I'm going to mess this up. I feel like physics, but I'll let her say that. I literally just forgot. Uh, But she helped me with a story I did last year where I looked at beet juice and how it was effective on melting ice. And she literally set up a controlled experiment for me in her science class at Carroll High School uh, and just helped me through the process. And it was wonderful to see, A, another woman in science, but uh, one that was just really knowledgeable and made this really easy, I think, to understand. So Dr. O'Malley, welcome back. It is nice to see you again. It's been a while. Uh, If people don't know you, hopefully they do, of course, everyone in the Carroll family will know who you are, but if they don't know you, talk a little bit about uh, how you became Dr. O'Malley. Thanks, Kirsty. It's nice to see you guys again. Hi, McCall. Um, Don't mind my daughter running in here. Uh, so I'm uh, my 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 kids attend Beaver Creek, and so they're in person today. But um, I came to the school building because we get we get better signal here. So. Yeah, I can um, you know, it's just it's just trying to figure out the best the best spot to be in for each day. Yeah. So I guess my story in high school, my intent when I graduated and went to college was to become a science teacher, and I took kind of this windy path through. Um, I majored in biology and chemistry as an undergrad. And then decided that I really enjoyed doing research because I had always been involved in science fair and uh, thought I would pick up another content area and started studying geology. And Ooh. for my, I know, it was, it was a blast. We did tons of traveling for that. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I worked at Boonshoft for a while in the education department. And then I decided I wanted to get a PhD and I ended up at Ohio State where I was working on this really great interdisciplinary project to try to understand the relatedness between different organisms that are, you know, from 400 million years ago by looking at the pigments that are preserved in their in their fossils. And so I spent, I know, so cool. So I spent a couple (laughs) of years. torturing fossils. I would, I would find things and grind them up and do chemical analysis on them. And we actually found that in most cases, what we thought was the relationship between fossils was probably true, but there were a few that were, um, were paleontologists have sort of debated which of several hypotheses are correct. And so looking at, foss- at the fossil biomarkers um, actually supported one of the hypotheses more than another. So it was kind of an interesting thing to do. You know, it was a little bit like Jurassic Park, but <laughs> for 300 million years older. And, you know, the, the idea that that's possible is really, I, I thought was really great. Um, 
after finishing my PhD, unfortunately, there's not a huge demand for paleontologists in the United States, but um, I'm, I'm married to another scientist, you know, nice. I, think, I think it happens to a lot of women who are in science, actually, uh, but we had a discussion very early on, you know, like, we're going to need to broaden what we do. And he always kept a couple of sub-disciplines sort of in focus and worked on those. I always did science and education. And so it was, it was kind of a no-brainer when um, we came back to Dayton. Dayton's my hometown. Um, okay. When we came back here, that I, I went into education. And I have a really good time doing it. I think that it works really well for for women with families too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it means that when my kids have time off, I usually have time off. Um, and so I, I've really, I really enjoyed the path to getting here and I really enjoy what I'm doing now. That's wonderful. So again, at Carroll High School, what are you teaching? Cause I think I messed it up. Besides AP biology, I don't know if I got the other two courses right. <laughs> no, you did, you did great. I oh, teach okay, um, AP biology, I teach physics and honors chemistry. And one thing that's really, kind of special about Carol is that our honors chemistry course has a research component. And so with my background, um, I have a couple of master's degrees and the PhD. So I've done a lot of research myself. I was, I did a lot of science fair when I was a student. And now I get to mentor about 30 kids a year in doing their own science fair projects. And that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about working here. I do. What I think is really, go ahead, Kirsty. No, no, you go first. I was going to say, what I think is really cool about you being a science teacher, because I remember all the way up until I was in ninth grade, I had male science teachers. And then it was my earth science teacher who was a woman that really got me interested in science, then my biology teacher, and then my chemistry teacher is really the one that um, noticed that I had more of a gift in the sciences and pushed really hard that for my senior year, I would get into honors physics. And that was kind of like my jump off point to where I am today. And I have to say that as a young girl, it was really inspiring to have female um, people to look up to in the science field saying, hey, it's cool if you want to be a nerd and be a girl at the same time. You don't have to just, you know, do girly things. You can dig in the dirt. I remember taking a, a field trip for a geology little thing where we dug in dirt. And that was a lot of fun for me. So I think it's really cool what it is that you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can absolutely relate to that too. My first female science teacher was um, at the end of my freshman year of college. Wow. So I, went, I went to Wright State. So we had three quarters for the year, but it was my third quarter of, of college where I had my first female science teacher. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely. So, <laughs> I, 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 you know, some people have asked me sometimes, why do you teach high school and not, not at a university? And to mm -hmm. be honest, it's not really something that, that I've pursued for almost a decade because um, growing up, my parents, my dad is an aerospace engineer at Wright-Patt and my mom is a registered nurse. And so I come from like a, a very sciencey family, mm -hmm. you know, and um and I had that advantage growing up. And I fully recognize that that was an advantage to me as a person who was interested in science. Most kids don't have that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, like you guys are saying, when you have female science teachers here, if, you, if you're a student in our honors track, your freshman, sophomore, and junior are all female teachers. Wow. And, and, and the three of us mentor kids in, in independent research projects, you know, and I, I know that they do a great job. Um, because I've seen what kids are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And and so to me, it feels like students need to have that opportunity 
to have to have somebody who sits down and asks them scientifically minded questions and encourages them in, in whatever they happen to be interested in. Um, you know, because they may or may not have have somebody else doing that for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to encourage kids at the high school level, you know, to to choose the field that they want and to have enough experience in it that they feel like they're making an informed choice. Yeah. I think that's really important, especially the high school aspect of it, um, because like McCall had said, you know, sometimes it takes a little push from one of the teachers you had. AP Biology in high school is actually one of my favorite courses, and it was one mm-hmm. of the more challenging courses as well. But, you know, if, if you're not given that opportunity, sometimes it's hard to choose. You're young when you're in high school still. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you want to do in college. And so to have some of the teachers that could mentor you or like you said, do um, the science fair stuff, like really dig deep into having a question and then letting the student answer it and do those science fair projects. I just think that that's amazing. So um, I love yeah, that you're doing it's, that. It's just really important. And that was something that, um, you know, my, my dad used to do for kids. He, you know, as an engineer, he would come home and he would help me with my science fair project. But there was always two or three other students that he was helping too that were either my friends or friends that yeah. my, you know, my mom knew somebody that needed help with something. And so it, it was pretty common that we would have like science fair parties at our house. It's, it's terrible. That's not you know, terrible. Like, That's awesome. We'd, we'd all be camped out in the basement and order a pizza. And, you know, right. it, it was a time. And what was really great about that and with my experiences as, a, as like a graduate student is how collaborative science ought to be. Mm -hmm. Even if you're doing a project where you're the sole author and you're in charge of it, you know, you can sit down and share your work with other people and get feedback from them. And so that's something I try to work into my classes. So in in my class, science fair isn't just, here's a handout, I'll see you in February. You know, every, every couple of weeks we have I call it Science Fair Friday. We sit around and talk about <laughs> what the next step is going to be, and um, mm-hmm. and and the kids will bring in a draft. They sh- pass the draft around the class. You know, the class can get feedback on it. So by the time they turn something in, they're not the only they're not the only eyes on that project. You know, their other classmates are looking at it. Sometimes if kids are doing sort of similar things, I'll connect them together. Be like, you should talk to this person, right? That's because good. they might be able to give you good feedback on it. You know, and those are those are all good skills for going to college or being a scientist. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, how you're gonna how you're gonna do those is to walk through each step. Because graduate school is all you know, lab meetings, you sit together with everybody else, and you're all studying similar things. And, and that feedback can be really sort of transformative of that experience. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's it leans to like, in the field of science, nobody knows everything. And, right. you know, it kind of breaks down those barriers of like, it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to admit you don't have all of the answers. Yeah. But like, talking about collaboration, I'm imagining that this year has been a little bit more challenging for the students to collaborate on projects. Um, can you talk about how yeah. this year has changed your, your teaching mentality? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been hard. Sorry, I'm moving around because I have to plug my computer. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Technology, science, this is, this is what we're about here. Right. But with COVID, obviously, it has changed a lot of... Um, the school year for a lot of kids and different districts are doing different things as well. And different districts are doing, you know, so where does that leave you, I guess, with this year? So we, um, from the very beginning, we set up a series of protocols that our principal put together 
And he collaborated not just with the Montgomery County Health Department, but he also sat down with the teachers and said, what do you guys need to feel safe? What do you think are the things I need to be thinking of? Um, and I, uh, I felt really lucky to be in that situation because I was sitting at the pool most days with all the other teacher moms that had the summer off. Mm -hmm. And so we're all just like, you know, depending on the day, we were hearing things from different districts. And a lot of them said, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But it, in our building, our principal had kept us part of that entire process from the very beginning. That's and great. so very early on, we had, you know, me and the science teacher next door, he said, if you had one thing, what would you ask for? And we said, everybody wears masks all the time. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was a key part of our protocol from, from July. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, I think he came up with a really good plan. We haven't actually experienced any spread within our building. That's great. We have had a few students who, um, who were exposed and came back positive, but so far we haven't tracked any of them as having spread it to another student. Uh, and so I've, I felt really safe in the building working here and it's been really great that we've been able to see each other. Yeah. Okay. I think in, in person, uh, I think that one important part of our protocol too, is that we started with having a remote day once a week. And what was nice about that is everybody, everybody understood the process of what a remote day would be like. Uh -huh. So it was never an emergency if our protocol required us to have an extra remote day or an extra remote week, because we already knew how to do that. Uh -huh. Yeah, that would definitely so be helpful. It's, it's been pretty good. As far as with, with students working together, it's kind of difficult to get, to get them to talk when there's 20 of them in a room. Yeah. In, in like a Google Meet, uh, which is what we use instead of Zoom. Okay. <laughs> but uh, um, it's, it's a little bit tricky, but I'm starting to play with other things, like putting them in smaller groups. Uh, I think that that helps. Um, one of the things I do as a volunteer is uh, I'm a Girl Scout troop leader. And so oh. I've been trying to figure out, yeah, so I've been trying to figure out ways to work with those girls so that they, they're willing to talk to each other mm -hmm. um, on screen and still be able to participate in, in Girl Scouty things. So now for your science courses, obviously a lot of them, you know, are lab based. You're able to be in school for the most part, right? You said you have like a remote day. Um, yeah. If for some reason that would have to change, let's say this winter, have you had to think of a plan of what you would do to keep your kids engaged or try labs? I actually did some of my meteorology coursework via distance learning. And one of my courses was a geology class where they sent me rocks and I did experiments in my, in my kitchen, um, you know, like scraping things off and following along. So have you had to think of anything like that or, or is that in the back of your mind if you would need to? Yeah, so some of the things that I did to sort of, I, I keep calling it pandemic proof the class, but- It's um, a good way to I, think about it. <laughs> I spent I spent a couple of weeks in August making all of my handouts for the whole year. And so the first day of school, I handed the kids all the handouts and I said, here they are. You've got a hard copy. You know, if you want to keep it at home, keep it at home, throw it in your locker. Um, and because all of those things are digital, I can also put them in our Google Classroom. So if if a student finds himself without having that information, then they can just go and print it off. If they can't print it off and they let me know, I'm willing to mail it to them. Like oh, I will right. do whatever I can to get them that information. Right. For our, for my physics and my chemistry students, when we're replacing those labs, I've been using an online platform that's called Pivot Interactives, okay. um, which, I've, which I've really liked. And I actually used it a little bit in the spring 
and try to get feedback from my students about it and uh, and and they liked it too and their comment about it basically was well if we can't be in a lab I think this is the next best thing nice um, good. <laughs> Yeah. And so the thing, the thing about last year is those kids knew, like those kids knew the difference between what, what it was like to do a bunch of labs and then switch to online. Mm -hmm. But students this year, you know, I've, I've just kind of told them like, this is our normal. We're doing this because this is what's safe. Um, You know, we're, we're in this together. It's going to be okay. Yeah. My, my AP bio kids, I have a lot fewer of them. Um, and so for them, I've been doing things more leaning towards demos or giving them things to do at home. Okay. So about a month ago, we were, we had a remote period and, and I literally, I just drove around to each of their houses and dropped off a kit and the kit had a thing in it called a fold scope, which is like a paper microscope and a digital balance. And they did the whole potato osmosis lab at home. I said, all right, cool. guys, most of, you, most of you have done science fair. You know how to do a lab at home. You need a container. You need your scale. You need a potato. You know? <laughs> and so, so that ends up being like a scavenger hunt. Right. <laughs> you know, I know that you guys are all stuck at home, but find these things. And then, <laughs> and then they all collected their data, and it worked fine. You know, okay. so depending on, on your students and your ability to get them materials, you know, you can, you can do that stuff. Um, we've had a few students who elected to be at-home learners this year. So they just decided, we want to be part of your program. We want one of your teachers, but we just don't want to come to the building. And so there have been labs that, you know, I tell them, okay, guys, we're going to do a lab. You need a ball that bounces and a meter stick. You know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and they go and get their stuff and they can still collect data just like everyone else and do their analysis. And so it's just kind of thinking through what you're doing each day and how you can adapt it to a home situation. I think that's So are you, with that like blended kind of classroom, the virtual kids, are they on your Google Meet at the same time you're talking to the children in, in the classroom? Right. Yeah, those kids are synchronous. So I usually have two computers set up and I'll have one where I'm I'm projecting something into the classroom but that computer is also set up so that it's attached to an online like an online format like Google Meet mm-hmm. and then I have another computer I have another computer that um, that has the kids projected on it so I can actually see the kids and I can see what they're seeing and I can project it at the same time we actually have uh, quite a few international students who weren't able to make it into the United States. And oh, so in wow. addition to our, yeah, so our, in addition to our, we have in-person students, we have at-home students, and then we have students that are international that are someplace else. And so um, there's quite a few teachers in the building that also have to have another platform to interact with them, but there, many of them are still in China. Yeah. So they're 12 hours separate from us, um, you know, but we make it work. And I, I, have, I have electronic correspondence from them every day. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, that's even further reach than I, I, I guess I didn't even think about the fact that, yeah, we have exchange students that come in in high school as well or host families and stuff like that. And with that not being able to happen, I, that's great that they could still get education mm-hmm. from you, you know, as well. What a challenge, but yeah. way to go and to I, rise and meet that challenge. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a lot of respect for those kids because for the most part, they, they are only interfacing with us through a computer. You know, so mm-hmm. even even when I'm recording for them and they can hear me and I'm talking, you know, they're learning, they're doing high, advanced high school stuff in a foreign language yeah. and and they're and they're keeping up with it. So 
you know, kudos to those guys. Is there, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Who would have thought this time last year that one year you'd be using all of this technology, talking to people through the computer in another country, teaching them advanced science. Yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of pros to it, though. I had yeah. some students last year who were making fun of me because I was thinking about writing a book about science fair, and they said oh. they said that's a, <laughs> they said that's a terrible idea, Doctor. <laughs> but was it because look at this well, but no but the thing is is they said you need to make a youtube channel which i was like haha yeah i need a youtube channel but you know what i did it and i was gonna say wait YouTube, didn't you do a youtube thing i'm glad you brought this up yes please yeah so the the thing about youtube that's really great that i've kind of come to come to realize about it is if you post a video on youtube it'll give you subtitles and so students who have trouble hearing you or, you know, maybe my international students who aren't good at, you know, they have to be fluent in English to be part of it, but maybe it helps them to, to be able well. to read the words, you know, and so it's, it's one of those things where I accidentally discovered a tool that might actually help <laughs> any of my students, right. you know, so if I, if, if I post things there, even if they're not public things, if they're only for my students and I make them unlisted, yeah, it can it can translate that, and I I have had deaf students through the years, and it's it's tricky to work with them because mm -hmm. you have yeah. to plan farther in advance. You know, the the folks that are helping them normally need some help with vocabulary because science right. is so much new vocabulary. You know, even if they have somebody there who's translating for you, they don't even, they don't have a word for it. You know, so right. in the past I've had to sit down and and talk to people. You know, give them a vocabulary list several weeks in advance just so that they can come up with signs. So mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things. I think I think that it's 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 a little bit of professional development for me as a teacher because if I'm doing more recordings for students, every student can have access to those, mm -hmm. not just the ones that I'm making the recording for. Um, I've been making a lot of things about the, the the Science Fair Friday thing that I do for my students. I've been recording those and sharing them with people because it's it's even harder to share that information with people now. And if it'll help somebody else, then I think that that's that's great. Aww. So, are any of these videos open to the public? Any of the Science Fair ones for someone who maybe is listening or has a a kid at home that may be interested in Science Fair and maybe mom or dad's like oh, I don't know how to help you very much. Is this something that anybody could find on? And like, what would your YouTube be if anybody were to look? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely out there. It's, uh, the channel's called Better Science Teaching. And it, so I do a lot of the Science Fair Friday and that's kind of really where my passion is. But there's some other stuff on there too that's either education related or teacher related. Some of the things that are setups for labs I've been putting on there because mm -hmm. I realize that sometimes I go to set up a new lab that I, that I haven't done or I thought I did poorly. You know, <laughs> we judge ourselves when it doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, just, just in case that's helpful to somebody else. You know, this is how I set up this lab, you know, take right. it for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, with Science Fair, I'm, I'm part of the Montgomery County Science Day Committee. And um, so we also have a Facebook page and I post on that. I'm, I'm one of the admins for that page. And so they gave me permission to go ahead and do, do one a week of the Science Fair Fridays. Um, but the, the Ohio Academy of Science is still going forward with Science Fair this year. Okay. So there's going to be, yeah. So there's going to be qualifying fairs for that. 
probably in late February. I don't think a lot of this is finalized by the Junior Academy Council, but okay. Um, but they're they're going to be virtual fairs next year, and so by the by the you know early early part of next year, I'm going to be posting things about how how students can record their own science mm -hmm. fair video, you know, because yeah. that's that's where we're at now, and I think that that's so cool because and you guys may have noticed this too being having science backgrounds is science fair isn't exactly a research conference <laughs> yeah. it's close you know but but when was the last time you saw a, sci a scientist at a professional conference make a poster by gluing things to a piece of cardboard like we don't do that right. and you know i've i've been teasing people is is this the year that the trifold doesn't exist you know, are we actually <laughs> There's not the big, are we yeah, actually three, yeah yeah <laughs> are we actually going to make posters like a professional would and how great would that be to have a whole bunch of kids go into college knowing how to participate like a professional right, right. that's that could be huge and yeah. they're learning tons of skills with these online formats you know we're online but until until this year did students didn't have those skills yeah so i, I think, think it also opens we're it up, a lot i think it opens it up to a broader audience of, you know, the kids that are questioning really what is science fair about, you know, maybe just being able to see it mm -hmm. and what it's all about might pique more interest and you might actually have more people in the years to come wanting to do science fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I will say too. And I think. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> Uh, I think you're going to get more adults that are interested in being involved too. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like that dusty science fair where you see it from the fifties, you know, or, <laughs> um, I don't know, October sky has some great science fair scenes in it too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to see adults seeing that, that science fairs is actually a dynamic program for a lot of students and something that's really meaningful and informative in a lot of ways. Yeah. I will say too, for, I guess kids, I feel like nowadays and now I feel really old by making that statement. Um, <laughs> but having it be a virtual science fair, I mean, at least when we do school talks, it's as if video, audio, you know, doing recordings off your phone, things, it's like, that's not foreign. So to be honest, it might even be even more fun that they have an audio visual aspect to their science fair project now instead of presenting in real life maybe it's doing videos being able to edit and and that could you know increase involvement maybe it's just one of their friends that's good at doing video editing now they can help with the science fair in the sense of like who's going to record the kid doing their experiment um so i actually think that that's really going to be interesting this year to see how that goes as well just adding that extra yeah. element for kids that are growing up that have been on their phone and TikTok and making videos for a while anyways, you know, now they're just being able to utilize those skills, but with their projects, you know? Yeah. And how to take advantage of that technology, yeah. you know, so, you know, we, we, we throw around the term in education that students are digital natives and they know how to use tech. Well, they, they know how to play games on their phone. Right. I mean, when my, <laughs> when my daughter was two, she would sit and play Angry Birds. Like it didn't really take any, any special skill to be able to use her phone it was just so user friendly that she could right. and and with this now we're teaching kids to use phones for the things that phones are really good at that we can't mm -hmm. do other ways you know so it's one thing to turn so you know to say well my class is online i put my worksheets on google classroom and kids can like that's that's not really take advantage of technology yeah <laughs> like it's using it but it's not you know 
technology can do so much more than what most people are aware of. You know, so, so being able to do the recordings and how do you do sound files and video files, you know, those are the things that you can't do on paper. Right. And I know even with my four-year-old daughter that we'll go online and we'll try and find, um, you know, educational things that's age appropriate for her. And I found several things that are fun for her to do and she loves learning. So I've tried to split up my days of the week and teach a, a different type of education. So Tuesdays I call Telescope Tuesdays and I try to do something science-y with her. Mondays is Math Mondays, you know, things like that. But there's not a lot that's out there. But I think because of this, we're going to see more and more things that are accessible for all ages. And like you said, using technology really to help advance rather than being a mind-numbing thing that you just look at, look at for hours and really what are you watching yeah. or looking at? <laughs> yeah. Well, I absolutely agree with that. Dr. O'Malley, is there anything else that um, I guess you have on the horizon for this year, whether it's for your students or again, we have people that listen and watch us that aren't from the Miami Valley. So you're our official science representative. <laughs> you're, wow. you're our teacher representative on Claudia with a Chance of Podcast. No pressure. <laughs> but I guess as a teacher, is there anything that you're really um, proud of yourself, proud of the teaching community or the educating educational community uh, with how they've progressed this year um, or anything that you are hoping can continue to improve? I mean, I, obviously we all want this to end, but in case more technology does become our new normal, just in general, we can see what we can do. McCall and I never thought we'd broadcast from our living rooms, but we've yeah. learned that we can track severe weather, remote <laughs> accessing computers from no matter where we are, you know? So I guess what in the educational community have you learned in that sense of you never thought you'd do and now you're doing? Yeah. Well, I never thought I'd have the YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> I, I have... I have been so impressed with my colleagues and their their flexibility on short time scales to change things and and work in ways that are purely focused on what can I do so that my students are as successful as they can be in the situation. And it's it's the sort of thing that when you see other people around you doing it, you mm -hmm. you realize firstly, okay, I I can do this too. This is okay if I need help, there's other people I can go to. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn because I'm a teacher too, but I, you know, I've seen teachers in my building learning how to use technology that I never thought would go mm -hmm. near it. Um, right. And they're doing it in really creative ways. And that was really highlighted for me at the very beginning of our year. Uh, instead of having a, a professional development speaker come in, one of our new administrators, she's been a teacher here for a long time, uh, Jill Kilby, but she just, she arranged sort of a conference where a whole bunch of teachers just shared their favorite online digital tool. And you could choose which ones you went to. And there were a couple that I went to and I've incorporated some of them into my classes. Um, but they were honestly things that I had never considered using. I didn't know if they would work with our platforms, but to have a colleague in the building show it to you and then encourage you to, to try it um, is really helpful because if I have a problem, it's not like I have to call a customer service line. I can just walk down the hallway and talk to another teacher. So we've, we've always had collaborative things happening in our building. You know, if my students need help with statistics, I send them to the math department. If they're writing their paper, 
and they want somebody else to take the look at it, I can send them to someone in the English department. Um, but this for the first time was when we really built a broad spectrum of people who have, have real skills in education. And it was the first time that we kind of looked in-house for that. And I was, I was really impressed with what they did. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It seems like it makes it then, uh, like you said, very, I don't, uh, not relatable is probably not the word I'm saying, but kind of a little less intimidating. If you are right. someone that a teacher that mm -hmm. really didn't touch technology, it's intimidating to have someone else come into your building and just kind of spew information at you. But when right. it's your colleagues that are there, that are showing you what they've used and what works. And like you said, that you could just go over to their classroom and say, wait, can you go back over that with me? I don't get it. Um, that is yeah. wonderful. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I didn't know anything like that went on. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, it does here. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good group no, of people I, that I've been working with. And I think that because there was no, like, this is exactly how you need to do this going into the digital world. It kind of just, let you guys explore, you know, you get the basic tools and then you can figure thing out not on, on your own, but together. Yeah. Our, our principle is very much, you know, you guys are the experts, you know, just let me know what you need. Right. And, and having that attitude from your administration is, is I say such a relief. Um, but I don't, I don't have to worry about you know, what's my administrator going to say if I make this change to my class? Because mm -hmm. they're, they're relying on every teacher in this building to be, to be an expert in what they're doing. Yeah. And, and, and that's very reassuring and empowering, um, you know, that, that we're able to do that. So, you know, the thing where I said, I took my AP bio kids, a kit with science stuff in it, you know, <laughs> I can imagine that there are buildings where somebody would just say, no way, figure out something else, give them a worksheet, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, no, I want, I want them to do a lab at their house and know that that's something that they can do. Um, right. So, yeah. Well, Dr. O'Malley, thank you so much for shedding some light on how this school year has been. Um, again, it was great to work with you last year, and I'm sure your students are thrilled that they get to have you as a teacher. And then just to just talk a little bit more about Carroll High School in general. I mean, that I learned a lot. I'm sure, McCall, you probably did as well. Yeah, uh, I absolutely did, and I'm going to be checking out your YouTube channel that you right, never Right, I can't wait. <laughs> You're going to see uh, a new subscriber. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, this really was a fun podcast, and I, I enjoyed hearing, you know, the challenges that you've had and how you've overcome them, and I think that that's just life in general. This is just a piece of, you know, what we're all going to talk about as we get older and older in our lifeline. Um, but as always, thank you for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. If you're listening, um, be sure to rate our podcast. You can download, subscribe on your podcast app on your iPhone or Google Play, Stitcher, WHIO.com as well. And if you want to watch this video version, you can head over to our WHIO app. You can find it on your Roku, Amazon Fire, or Apple TV devices. Any last words, Kirsty, before we see everybody next time? Uh, I'll make sure that I put the link to the YouTube channel in the web story <laughs> for this video version. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. O'Malley, for joining us. And, you know, hopefully we'll learn more and all those students around the country and here in the Miami Valley, you know, everyone's trying their best. So we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. <laughs>